are now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. Been there for three weeks, and uh, it's been a wonderful time in that one chapter. And we've been talking about the power of the gospel. And um, so let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and read verses 2 down to 10. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you and for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, In spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. We've sang all about that this morning, haven't we? The second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a prophetic word in 1947 that Smith Wigglesworth declared. And he said this. He said, when the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidenced in the churches something that has not been seen before. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and those with an emphasis on the Spirit. When the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest movement of the Holy Spirit that that nation and indeed the world has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has been witnessed within these shores, even the Wesleyan and the Welsh revivals of former years. This is that day. We're living in that day that he prophesied in 1947. I want to share with you, in case you weren't here, during the prophetic evening, a word that Joy Community Church received, and it's actually in alignment with moving in the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the guys if they could play that And we're going to listen to the the word that the Lord gave Joy Community Church. I am asking you to tend to the light as the virgin was called to tend to the lamp. We are in days, my sons and daughters, 
where I need to look for the light that's still burning bright. I'm looking to make a deposit of that light in dark places, says the Lord. I'm looking for that light to shine over places of sin, places where salvation's not yet come, people who are in bondage, people who are far away from my son, Jesus Christ. And you will be travelers of my glory, says the Lord. My spirit's going to begin to move upon this congregation. I'm going to come in power. I'm going to come in my glory. I'm going to mark you with a fresh anointing. I'm going to touch within you that call that I destined when I first saved your life. Do you remember when I first saved your life? There was an intentionality within your soul, within your spirit, within your purpose. You finally understood what it was to come from darkness into my glorious light. I say to you, get ready with a message of the glorious light of my son, Jesus Christ. The gospel message will go forth from this place. There will be an anointing upon each of your lives. There will be times when you think it's a quiet moment. I'm going to rattle. I'm going to shake. I'm going to move. And the Spirit will brood over your heart. And there will be this holy discontent. And as that discontent will awaken in you the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will move with that message. You will go out with that message. You will speak that message. You will live that message. You will impart that message that Jesus Christ is the the one and only Savior. I say joy community church. Get ready for you will be a church of light and the glory of God will rest upon you as you share the gospel message says the Lord. Father we humbly receive that word to just let that word pass by and to just equate that evening as another event of the year gone by would be a big mistake. We receive that call as a local body. We receive that commission as people who belong to you. We receive, Lord, the charge to go forward as bright light in dark places. We thank you, Lord, that you've chosen Joy Community play, uh, Church as a place where the glory of God is going to rest upon us, surround us, embrace us, infuse us, motivate us, and lead us forward. We receive that call today. We receive that call, Lord, to be people of intensity, we receive that call that you placed within our hearts when we first received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We receive that. We want to walk in that. And we want to see a harvest from that. We ask that we would be harvesters, that we would bear great fruit in 2024, in our individual lives and corporately as a church. And we need your anointing. We need you to come and empower us. 
We need to experience a fresh outpouring of the spirit of the living God. And we need to be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ so that when you take us to and introduce us to those in those dark places, that we'll be compassionate, we'll be merciful, and we'll be ready to share the life-giving message of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this understanding that the times in which we're living require us to be your glorious light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking about the power of the gospel. We've been talking about for the last few weeks how we're in a generation that desperately needs to hear and to experience the power of this gospel message. And I talked to you uh, in the last two weeks. We've only gotten to two of the points, uh, two of the truths. But there are, from this scripture, I saw four truths that would allow our generation to experience, to hear the power of the gospel. And the first week, I talked about how the gospel came with the power to confirm God's will in our lives, verses 2 to 4. Then I talked about last week, and I, I tried to talk about last week until the Holy Spirit showed up on the scene, which he talks a lot better than I talk anyways. And, and the gospel came with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we experienced a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in this place last week. And it doesn't mean that we haven't already today experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. He moves differently every time. There's things going on that you and I have no clue of, but the Spirit of God is moving right now. He's speaking, he's moving, he's healing, he's redeeming, he's preparing hearts today to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what he's doing. You can't have a worship session or time like we just had and not know that the Holy Spirit's in the house. The Holy Spirit's here. And today I want to take you to verses 7 down to 10. And the, the, the third truth that I want to concentrate on now is that the gospel came with the power to inspire others to believe. God says that when the power of God is moving, when the Spirit of God is moving, that when the Word of God is being preached, there is always some form of evidence that God is transforming lives. Something is always happening. It may take a while for it to actually be revealed to the individual that I've been doing this for some time. I know that before I got saved, I had several encounters with Jesus. I had several encounters with the Word of God. And I had several encounters with people who witnessed to me and I'd say, no, thank you, not right now. And then there came a night where that all changed. I was so convicted of my sin. I was so convicted of the hardness of heart. I was so convicted of my rebellious nature that the Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, if you don't go tonight, you'll never go. And I got out of my seat 
and receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's the power of the gospel. It takes time for the gospel to penetrate our rebelliousness, our disobedience, our hard-heartedness. And Paul was exhorting the Thessalonians and saying, you're doing something that's so alive. You're bringing a message that's changing the culture all around you. You're bringing a message that's telling the Greek society and the habitual behaviors of a Greek society that you're about to be transformed, that your culture and your society will no longer dictate the gospel message, but the gospel message is going to transform culture and society. That's what was happening here. That's what needs to happen today in our culture and society. And so he's saying to us, Joy, with a word like that that he gave us on that night, he's saying, I'm calling Joy Community Church to inspire people to believe. The Thessalonians challenge us as believers to engage our world, to engage our world, no matter what the response, no matter what the resistance, no matter what the reason for denying the gospel, to stay steadfast in the midst of God changing hearts. That's what was happening in, in Thessalonica. He's saying, let the word penetrate with the love of Jesus Christ. Let the word of God penetrate through the mercy of God's forgiveness. Let the word penetrate because you have become, Thessalonians, examples of what it is to die to the cross, but to live an abundant life through the Holy Spirit. That's what we're all about here. They became examples of what the power of the gospel could do. Jesus is looking at you and I today and he's saying, will you today make the choice in your heart by faith because you are a person of faith who I'm calling to participate with me to do the impossible in your life and those around you. Will you stand knowing the truth of what happened in your own soul and will you declare that the gospel message is a powerful message that can transform lives for my glory? Are you ready? Will you stand and say, count me in for the harvest? The Thessalonians just didn't talk about the gospel. They practiced it. They lived it. They were role models of it. And revival fire began to move through Macedonia and Acacia. And we, we know it moved on. And revival moved on. There was a fire in the young church. And the young church did, wasn't inhibited by the culture or society. It knew that what had internally happened had to get out of the church and into society and the community at large. And it says that it went beyond Acacia. It's got to go beyond Rochester, New York. It's got to go beyond New York State. It's got to go beyond the United States of America. It's got to go beyond into the outer parts of the earth. You're called to be carriers of light and glory and the power of the word of God about Jesus Christ's salvation message. It's what we're called to do.
Satan does not care how much you theorize about Christianity or how much you possess or profess to know Christ. What he opposes vigorously is the way you choose to live for Jesus. He hates it. He hates the fact that you have given up the old, the flesh, the world, and the devil, and he hates that you have determined in your heart to be somebody who lives sold out for the glory of God. He hates it. He'll attack you left and right until you give in. And when you keep standing firm and you're steadfast and you're unmovable and your heart is still pliable, flexible, willing, and and God can speak to you and direct you, and then he begins to make a way for the gospel message. It's not about us. It's about the gospel message. That's what was going on here. It wasn't about the young church. It was about the gospel message had to get out from that young church so others could hear about the glorious message of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord and the second coming of our Lord Jesus, which will happen, by the way. It's going to happen. You may be saying, well, my hair's getting grayer. Hold on steady. Hold on steady. It's going to happen. Satan opposes vigorously the way you live, the way you become an instrument of mercy, the way you become an instrument of compassion, the way you become an instrument of the love of God through which Jesus chooses to manifest himself to to the world around you, to the unsaved around you. It's the love of Christ that brings people to repentance. If Satan can take the heart, the motive, and the mercy out of a Christian, he has killed that person's effectiveness. If he can succeed in getting us to talk a good religious talk, and it has no power, then he's broken our power through the Holy Spirit. I love Hebrews 13. Somebody already said it this morning. Hebrews 13a. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, what? Okay, so really think, say that again. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if that's a truth, then we have something on our side. Because the same Jesus that walked this earth The same Jesus that ministered in the power of his Father and the Holy Spirit is the same Jesus that's alive in you today. And so the power that was in the teaching and in the Word of God is the same power today. The same power that Jesus used to heal the sick And to raise the dead is the same power that we have to declare healing in the name of Jesus. It's the same power that he forgave the sinner back then is the same power to forgive sinners today. He never, he he, he doesn't lessen that power. He loves to forgive. The same power that restores people back to abundant life is the same power that when we pray and when we believe and when we ask God to move in such a way, he will bring that abundant life to an unsafe person as they call on the name of the Lord Jesus. 
He can come into any situation that's confused or demonically oppressed. And he can speak the word of his heavenly father back then. You have that same power to speak into any demon-possessed, any demonically oppressed, any situation that Satan thinks that he's got you beat. You've got the name of Jesus. You have the blood of Jesus. You defeat that in the name of Jesus. Don't look so exciting. Come on. That's pretty good stuff. It's here today. We don't have to conjure it all up. It's in us, the hope of glory. That's what it is. People are looking for people like you. People need people like you. And people want, listen, people want desperately ministry from you. And God's design, those moments that only you can walk into and be present for that person. Amen? Amen. Pastor Frank and I were out having lunch uh, one day this week. I forget what day it was. And we were just... And we, we, we go to Applebee's because you can get two for 25 or something like that. You know, it's a good deal. And so we went there and we've been ministering to this young lady. I've known her now since I've come here. She's still a waitress at Applebee's. And so I've invited her many, many times. And so we just, I just, uh, I hadn't seen her since last year. So when I saw her, she just, she came and she wanted a hug. And so I grabbed her and I hugged her. I said, what's up? Her whole countenance was awful. And she started crying. She said, you won't believe it. I said, I probably won't. She said, remember I told you about my mother-in-law? I said, yeah. She passed. I said, I am so sorry. She just began to, I said, come on, come on, come on over here. So we got to our table and Pastor Frank and I said, can we pray for you? She got on her knees at that place, reached up her hands and bowed her head, and we began to minister to her. She just wept. That's the power of the gospel in the moment God leads you. Did we pray a perfect prayer? Absolutely not. Were we expecting? We didn't know what to expect. We just did what we felt we needed to do. That's all he's asking of us. Do what I'm asking you to do. That's where the power lies. Amen? We see in verse 9 to 10, it says this. In verses 9 to 10. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. We see here that the gospel came with the power to keep us from God's wrath. 
Why, when the Bible is vocal about God's wrath, should we feel obligated to be silent and apologize for the wrath of God? What is it that makes us feel awkward, embarrassed when the subject comes up and prompts us to dodge the topic matter when we're asked about the wrath of God? I thought your God was a God of love. I thought your God was a God of mercy. He can't be loving and merciful unless he's the God of judgment and wrath. They complement one another. That's who he is. The Apostle Paul makes it clear in the book of Thessalonians from chapter 1 to chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians, there is an array of the second coming, but there's an array of the wrath of God that actually, hopefully, would cause people to prepare their hearts for the second coming. That's what he's focusing on. And so he makes it clear that God makes no attempt to conceal the facts concerning his wrath. God is not ashamed to make it known that he's the God of vengeance and fury, and they belong to him. It says in Romans 9, 22, what if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction. That's Romans chapter 9, 22. A.W. Pink, in his book, Attributes of God, says that a study of the concordance will show that there are more references in Scripture to the anger, fury, and wrath of God than there are to his love and tenderness. Because he is holy, God hates sin. And because he hates all sin, his anger burns against the sinner. The wrath of God was revealed when God invaded history through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, God rescued us from that coming judgment when we received Christ as our Lord and Savior. Takes confessing, repenting, admitting we're sinners, and asking Christ to forgive us for our sins, and then we're free from the wrath and judgment of God in the sense of eternity. The Thessalonians were convinced that the gospel had delivered them from God's anger. They were convinced there, there was no apology. They understood they were freed from punishment. They were free from the vengeance of God's heart. They had experienced this overwhelming love, this overwhelming acceptance, this overwhelming mercy from God's heart because they actually took the time to receive the gospel message. They didn't only receive it, they actually were able to be transformed for the glory of God because of the piercing of the word of God that Paul had preached. Paul's commending them for it. They humbly anticipated the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's how I feel today. Come, Lord Jesus! Come, Lord Jesus! Don't you just feel someday in your life, you just go, Calgon, take me away. It's just too much. Just come. Come, Jesus, right now into this moment. And when I was worshiping here today, 
I had sensed that. I heard your cry today in your spirit. People are like, this is too much. And they were like crying out to the Lord to say, Jesus, come into this situation. I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do about this anymore. I don't know how to handle this anymore. I'm not doing it right, so you better come on the scene right now. And I sensed at that moment when that dropped in my spirit that Jesus was just saying to me, I'm taking care of it right now. Right now, I'm doing it in this house right now. And those who came in with that burden, and you were burdened, he's saying right now, I'm taking care of that if you give it. You got to give it. And I'll put the gospel in action for you right now. The power of the gospel will come into that situation. Amen. Amen? Amen. He's awesome. Only he can do it. But you see, if you don't have a vision of the second coming of Christ, you're not living with true intentionality. You're not living in the moment of understanding that at any time, any day, any year, Jesus Christ can show up on the scene and then we'll stand before the judgment seat of God. We don't like that message. Give me a little bit more time, Jesus. I might just get it together. I just might start to obey you. Just give me a few more years and then once I'm finished my career and doing all the traveling I want to, I'll think about serving you then. Just let me do what I want to do right now. You do not know, and neither do I, the time, the day of the second coming of Christ. We're talking about a church. This is, this is only 50 AD. We're 2024. And they had just, Christ had just died. The church was just established. And they were living in this moment of, please come back. The Holy Spirit had just moved across the nations, bringing many into the kingdom of God. We're living in those days today. But we have to live with that intentionality of, I'm ready no matter when you take me, Lord. I just said to him this morning, can I at least have one more Starbucks? You know? <laughs> I like verse 10. Read verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven. That wait is what exactly what Sharice was talking about. That is exactly what that wait means is God is waiting, preparing us so that when he moves, as that prophetic word was given to joy, when he moves and he begins to download on you, there's this understanding that this person, these people, this situation requires an intentional mindset that Christ could come back at any time. That changes the way we minister the gospel. I haven't always had that intentionality. I haven't always had that mindset. And now that I'm getting older, that's becoming a lot clearer. <laughs> it really is. 
I'm seeing it differently. I'm seeing my life differently. I'm going, okay, I might have another 20 years to do this, Lord. If you keep me, I am going to live with purpose. I am going to be a person of passion. I am going to get out and do what you call me to do because I don't know the time. So I've just have been in this place of saying, as Paul was drawing on their souls and he was providing this fervent praise because they were now living through, in, and with Christ. Are you living through, in, and with Christ? That's what he was getting them to praise the Lord for. They had a total new mindset. Perhaps you need to give more time, thought regarding the second coming of our Lord. Maybe you need to really reflect upon the death, the resurrection, the burial, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you need to pray how that gospel message came into your life and changed your life and where the darkness was. And now you're not walking in that darkness. Now you're not thinking about that darkness. Now you're not hoping about going back into that darkness. You're standing in the glorious light of Jesus Christ. And you're declaring, I surrender all to you, Lord. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's time for all of us to make a heartfelt commitment to believe in God with new intensity. To believe in God with a mindset that the second of coming of Jesus Christ our Lord is going to come. And it could be at any hour, any day, any year. I want to be ready. But I don't just want to be ready. I want revival fire in my soul. I want revival fire in my heart. I want revival fire so that I'm continually reaching out to the lost because Jesus said, I go after the one who's lost. I have a heart for the one who's lost. I want you to go and find that one who's lost and I want you to be bold and I want you to be compassionate and I want you to tell them the truth because it's the truth of Jesus that sets people free. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way. No way unto the Father but through the Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God loves you. And he wants you to experience peace. I'm talking to those in the house and online today. I'm not just talking. If if we're going to use Facebook, then I'm talking to you too, Facebook people. God loves you and he wants you to experience peace. He wants you to experience this abundant life. He didn't say a perfect life. He said an abundant life with an eternal mindset. That's what he's offering. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says that I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. John 10.10. And God created you this morning. Anyone listening this morning that he created you in his image, his likeness, to have that abundant life. He did not make you as a robot. He did, he, to automatically love and obey him, he gave you a choice. He gave you freedom, he gave you a will, 
and we choose either to disobey God and go our own willful way, or we still make a choice today and say, wait a second, I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My choice is not to be separated from God. It says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't have eternity without Jesus. You will not go to heaven without Jesus. I don't care how much you know, how much you have in your bank account, and what your status is in life, and what your gender is, you have to have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. People have tried in many ways to bridge this gap between themselves and God, and there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death, Proverbs 14, 12 says. And Jesus Christ died on the cross and he did rise from the dead. He's alive and he paid the penalty for your sin and he bridged the gap between you and God. He is the one that you require in order to have a relationship with your heavenly father. For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, 1 Peter 3, 18. Well, what am I saying? What am I telling you this morning? I'm laying out for you a gospel plan that you can take as a believer to share with other people. It's one of the, sometimes in the moment, you don't know what to say because you're in the moment. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there, right? You're like, what's that scripture again? Right? Have any of you had that experience? You're in the moment, you go, oh, what's that scripture? I preach and I still do that all the time. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. One of my favorite all-time scriptures. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. And we must trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and receive him by a personal invitation. If you don't invite him into your life, if you don't desire him to come into your life, if you don't make room for him to come into your heart and your life, then he won't. You have to make room for him. He says in Revelation 3.20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, please open the door. I'll come in and I'll sup with you. How about you? I want him to come in. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So my question to you, as you move forward, if you're not saved here today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day of salvation. If you're online and you've never said, ask Jesus into your heart, You can bow right now in your room, wherever you are, and you can ask Jesus to come, and you can ask him to forgive you for your sins. You can repent of your sins. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Believe and admit that Jesus Christ died on Calvary for you and your sins, and receive him. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. You will be saved. Today is the glorious day for Joy Community Church to say, we will be light bearers, 
and we will be gospel message bearers, and we will bring the glory of God to those who are far from him. Amen? Amen. That's the power of the gospel. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right now. And if you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your day. This is a day of glory for your life. It can change your whole story. It can change the way you live your life and all the things about who you are and what you've been over these many years. And you need to admit your need and declare that you are indeed a sinner. You need to be willing to turn from your sins and actually repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness. And you need to believe that Jesus did die for you. He died for you, for you, on the cross and rose from the grave. And through Jesus, you can invite him to come in and take control of your life through, oh my, the Holy Spirit. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to ask every head that's bowed to declare this prayer with me right now. It's good sometimes just to recommit your own heart. And I want us just to shout this out loud. And I'm encouraging you, if you're online and you're saying this for the first time, I want to hear from you. You can actually go and connect with me on the connection card online and tell me you are saved. I'm going to call you personally. If you're here today, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. And we have our prayer ministry team. They'll actually explain to you what you just did and give you a Bible and put it in your hands. Please repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your help and I ask you for your forgiveness. I do believe you. I believe in you that you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead. And so today I'm choosing to turn from my sinful ways and invite you into my heart and into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. And I want to be a person of light. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.